All right, we'll hit record and we'll see what we end up with here for a podcast. Yeah, this is mentioned in dispatches. Uh, again, lost track of the numbering a while ago and not trying to recover at this point. This is the current episode of mentioned in dispatches with the armchair dragoons and tonight's guest, a uh, man who apparently lost a bet because he ended up in charge of a wargaming program at a convention. Our buddy, Ard Wolf. Gary, how are you? Pretty good. How are you? Uh, well, I'm better now that I'm home. Uh, yep, we talked about a little bit. The, yeah, the uh, the car kind of shit the bed on the way back from Buckeye Game Fest, and that was I, it was not a lot of fun, but at least I was able to limp it into town and wasn't stuck out on the side of the highway somewhere. Well, so. at least the car wasn't a total write off, right? You could have been yeah, stranded well, in that. West Virginia, and you know what happens to people that get stranded in West Virginia? Well, it, it's not as bad as those trying to raft their way down the uh, Chattahoochee River or whatever. So. Well, that's true. Yeah, I, uh, I I didn't have that problem. Um, for what it's worth, the people of Princeton, West Virginia, were very nice. Uh, but that is a town without a taxi service. So if you need to get several miles away, you are walking. So um, the five mile hike for the new serpentine belt. Uh, yeah, not a lot of fun after you've been in a car all day. I um, imagine not. Yeah. But anyhow, much fun was had in the days leading up to said car problems. And yes, that, that, that fun was over at Buckeye Game Fest. And so I, this has got to be like the 20 something Buckeye. I mean, they got to be getting close to 20 something Buckeye Game Fest here. Right? Yeah, something like that. Um, I don't know the exact numbering, to be completely honest about it. I mean, they don't. Uh, they just say Buckeye Game Fest 2023, but I know it's been going on for, for uh, you know, 20 or more years. I've only so been in, involved for the last five or six, so. Yeah, in 06, I was there as Bayonet Games because I, I still thought I had delusions of being a publisher. And so I was, I actually had a vendor table that year, my, me and my three games for sale. It was either 06 or 07 that was the eighth Buckeye Game Fest. And I only know that because I still have the t-shirt that's got the eight on it. It's like stylized like a meeple and everything. So it was either 06 or 07 that was Buckeye Game Fest number eight, and I guess we can do the math from there to figure out what this well, is. Well, we're saying 20 plus regardless of yes. the exact number. So it's been a while. It's been around old enough to drink. So it's so. a, it's an interesting event, right? It, it, it started off as kind of an extension of the Columbus area board game society. Um, a few years ago, it actually split off from cabs for uh nonprofit related reasons. They uh, just the way it, cabs was structured, was not really compatible with the way BGF was structured as nonprofits. So they had to split. So now technically, although they're, there's a relationship between the two organizations. The local Columbus Area Board Game Society is a different entity than Buckeye Game Festivals and is uh, run by different people. Uh, but Buckeye Game Festivals for the last three or four years, or three or four events anyway, uh, has been behind Buckeye Game Fest. These are the same folks who do now the war, uh, the uh, the boardroom at Origin. So they bring the enormous 1500 or whatever it is game library in. Uh, it looked bigger <laughs> this year than when last i saw it <laughs> so yeah. it, it ain't getting any smaller and they've still got paradoxically like two shelves of war games in there as well now it's a you know it's kind of like a general board game event right a lot of euro american type of board games in a, at a variety of levels right some of which are really simple and fast and some of which are pretty detailed i mean there's an 18xx crew that comes in and reliably plays 18x 
you know, 18xx games super hardcore for like several days straight. Yeah. But we also have, and, and this has been the case for a long time, uh, there's, there's what's called the War Room, which unlike the rest of the convention, which starts on Thursday, actually opens up first thing in the morning on Monday. So it affords those of us who like to play large footprint monster games uh, the opportunity to sit down and play one game for the entire week. Um, now, we had a bit of a slow start this year uh, because, in, you know, Monday, Tuesday, there was only about six or seven people in the room, right? Most of which were tied up with the one big game that ran this year. It was a big game of the Labatai system, uh, the, the Battle of Dresden uh, from 1813, Napoleon's 1813 campaign. Um, and uh, it, it went well. They Those guys were crushing it uh, for several days. You know, yeah. very early they would start, they'd be running full bore by 9 a.m. And they would run until at least 8 p.m. Um, and it felt like they ran a little longer than that. I mean, they break for lunch and dinner, of course. But the yeah. thing is yeah. that it's like normally there's like three or four of these things running in that space on you know monday tuesday wednesday um that wasn't the case this year there might have been a couple pickup things in those first three days but it wasn't really until wednesday that that additional activity started to occur uh by the time i got back there on wednesday we had started to uh, i i ran my uh ocs boot camp uh which which i had full you know that was full so we had you know players in there and some of the bgf people came in on i think friday and said oh there's a lot of people in here so it's it's hopping yeah so friday and saturday it was it was pretty hopping especially but even on wednesday it started to pick up i want to say that did you see the uh, uh were you there when they were running the uh the the Imperial Struggle Tournament? I was not. I think that was on Thursday. Or I'm sorry. Okay. Wednesday. Yeah, I think that was Thursday because I was there all day Friday. Um, I left at dinner time because I had dinner with my folks. So unless they mm-hmm. did it late Friday night, I think you guys were doing coin stuff when I left. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think it was Thursday. I think it was Thursday, but they had a yeah. four player uh, Imperial struggle tournament, which thanks Ken for, for setting that up. Um, they had, uh, and then, you know, I was there running OCS uh, demos and then the boot, uh, the, the players aid were there. They did some coin teaching plays. They had two full sessions, right? So they had uh, two, four player games uh, in two different slots. So that's six, you know, 16 seats in that event yeah. uh, of which, you know, they filled a couple and I filled one and, uh, but you know, they had, it was full of t- full attended um there was yep. no shortage of folks playing uh playing coin stuff the song for war guys were there demoing song for war which looks you know continues to look very interesting and i think they continue to make progress on their goal of getting it on kickstarter or whatever crowdfunding platform they're going to use um we had a number of pickup things that happened for things like you had your uh brave border wars event which ran successfully a couple of times yep uh, and we had some pickup things of of things like commands and colors and there was a are going out game um and there were a couple other things that happened as well plus a, a few play test things like that like ken's saratoga game uh that yeah. he had uh, on the table at one point i am sorry i missed the lamps are going out i've been wanting to see that one live for a while i i would have happily have jumped into that one had i been there well you should have should have mentioned it i could have brought mine we could have <laughs> we could have started it it's not like we lacked for stuff to play while we were there oh no 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 so i mean i i was you know kind of volunteered myself for this but they they kind of came to me and and you know hey we'd really like somebody to help out with the war room and i kind of kind of stretched out my idea for that which basically involved somebody to kind of get the word out get some events planned so that there were things on the schedule uh which is not 
traditionally been a strength of Buckeye Game Fest. It's traditionally been a, uh, uh, there are like planned events, but they're kind of planned and emailed behind the scenes. So unless you know those people and are, were on the email circulation, you didn't know about them. Uh, and then a lot of the stuff in the big general gaming room, of course, is is more or less pickup stuff, right? It's, you know, people that showed up and said, hey, let's, you know, grab whatever random game from the library and play it. Yeah, so I, I just took a look where we had published the uh, the War Game X extract from the Buckeye Game Fest event listing in TTE. And there were 13 things on the schedule. Now, I'm pretty confident there were actually more than 13 things scheduled because this, I don't think, has everything on here. Uh, It's got the Song 4 stuff, our brief Border Wars, the teaching plays were on the schedule, Mm -hmm. the OCS boot camps were on the schedule. Yep. Um, See, that's what then, kind of that's kind of what I did was man, I made yeah. sure that that stuff got scheduled. But so people but would like look at the here. website and know, hey, this stuff's happening, right? Yeah. As opposed um, to, oh, I got this email from Mr. Labat guy two months ago that we're gonna play, you know, Lava Tide de la Dresda <laughs> at starting on Monday at, at BGF. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, just looking at this, this isn't even half the games that I saw being played while we were there. No, that's true. Yeah, there was there was plenty to do, right? Uh, there wasn't a lot of large format stuff this year. That's something I'd like to bring back. Uh, well, I mean, it didn't go away. This is a weird year, right? So Buckeye yes. Game Fest was in April. In the past, it's been in September. So that's a you know schedule change. That's going to mess up some people's schedules. Uh, it's at the new location, uh, which is at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Columbus, which is the same Hyatt Regency agency that origins is held in by the way it's part it's attached to the convention center yeah yeah it's uh it's attached to the convention center and it uh it's part of the convention center complex so you have most of the amenities that you had for origins although you know during the week the food place is all closed a little early not all up opened at all actually it was hard to find coffee on thursday for example (laughs) after about 1 p.m and that's that's kind of a problem. Yeah, no kidding. I, I will tell you, it was interesting to me, that part of the convention center, I think we even joked over there, like the only part of that level of the convention center that I ever see at Origins is the escalator right next to the food court and the yeah. food court. Because none yeah. of the events that I care about at Origins are the ones being held in any of those rooms where Buckeye Game Fest was. So I, I'm never over there. <laughs> you know, I'll occasionally go grab some food and go right back. And I'm just not yeah. over there very often. So... I mean, last Origins was weird too, right? But uh, so I don't even know what happens in uh, in that area in Origins. I know it's used; it, it's been used for LARPs in the past. I know that, yeah. uh, and that might still be the case. I don't know. Five. I've oh yeah, I, I, I have not been down there. I mean, even like the RPG stuff that I do tends to happen either on the convention center side because it's something that Chaosium put on, or yeah. it's you know it's up in the you know the ballroom on the third floor or something or somewhere in those wings on the second floor. So yeah. I I don't even know, but I know there's still stuff going on down there, and it might still be the LARPs. I don't know. Yeah, I just I don't know. you know was- haven't gotten involved in that. I think from from what I saw, Buckeye Game Fest overall had the uh, the raffle table and the registration area were kind of out in the hallway, which you would expect. There was the one room that that was the war room, and it was a pretty good size room. Oh yeah. Um, there was the one room with the, the Artemis bridge, Spaceship Bridge Simulator. Mm-hmm. There was the one big game room that was connected with the small hallway behind the registration desk to the mm-hmm. rather tiny and almost embarrassing vendor room. Mm-hmm. And then there was one other room across the hall from the main game room that had games in it. And then there was the library room. Um, yeah. I think that was everything. So it was, it was one so. big game room, one smaller game room, and the war room in which tabletop stuff was being played. Mm-hmm. The library 
the vendor room and the the Artemis, I think. Yeah. And and at, at the last Buckeye Game Fest, which realized that we of course missed one because of COVID. Yes. Uh, but the you know pre-COVID, the last Buckeye Game Fest did actually have a few RPG events as well, and they had, I think they had their own room for that. Uh, we didn't have that this year, so I don't know what the you know the plan is to bring that back. I I'd, I'd imagine, but I'm not really pre- you know they didn't talk to me about that, and I had enough to do, so so yeah, it was all yeah, good. I, I, uh, so I mean I you know say, for I was, I, I was not know. at all disappointed in the size of the convention. It 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 seemed yeah. very robust. Um, it didn't sprawl like you sometimes mm. see hotel room based conventions do where they take over like 10 different rooms or something. Um, mm-hmm. But the rooms we were in were pretty full. Yeah. I mean, and it, I mean, it's a huge facility, right? Even yes. just the Hyatt itself is a huge facility. That Hyatt could easily swallow five events this size and still accommodate 2000 dentists coming in for a conference. Yeah. <laughs> so well, there was a I giant. Mean, like tween age dance competition going on upstairs uh, for much of the weekend. Cause we kept seeing them coming and going. And I finally asked one of the moms, a cheerleading thing, beauty pageant. And she kind of smiled and laughed. So it's dance competition. And, uh, there you and go. that's what we were doing. And I said, game convention. And she lost all interest. <laughs> oh yeah. I would imagine. So obviously not one of our volleyball moms. No. <laughs> so over in the war room, um, I, I gotta say that the space was comfortable, felt full Friday, Saturday, um, mm-hmm. not first thing Friday morning, but, but it picked up by lunchtime and, and stayed fairly full. Mm-hmm. The, uh, those two long, narrow strips of tables, I think we probably could have broken up and shifted around a little bit just to make traffic flow a little easier in there, but that's eh, true. That's, that's, uh, that's nitpicking. I, I think the folks that were in there, uh, were able to spread out enough they, they weren't tripping over each other. They had room to play the games they wanted to play. The folks that needed to leave stuff set up, like the Labatt guys or um, mm-hmm. or the Players Aid guys or the Song for War guys, had plenty of space to do that and not be taking game space away from other people. So mm-hmm. that was good. But overall, I, I thought the hotel took good care of us. I think folks... That, that that wanted to play something could find something to play and folks that mm-hmm. wanted to stand around and watch had room to do that too mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely i mean I've, i felt like everybody i talked to that seems like they had a good time the labat guys had a good time they had a great time arguing about the rules um <laughs> they uh and they got a good you know good chunk of the way into their game as well um and they had some personnel difficulties one of their guys was kind of in and out for a lot of the week so you know that's a thing that happened but uh but uh the, i'm very happy with the results of the ocs boot camp i think i had six or seven new to OCS players sit down with me at various times and spend about two hours running a turn in OCS Smolensk. Uh, you know, Grant and Alexander for the Players Aid uh, were two of those people. That went very well. We got a, you know, we got a video out of that. So uh, we'll be seeing that out in the, uh, on the Players Aid channel, I should say. They were the ones sitting down with you when I got there. Yes, yes, indeed. So yeah, it, it went it went really well. Thank thank you for coming and uh, and helping out with the uh, the brief border wars, which I thought went pretty well. You you filled that up a couple of times as well. Yeah, um, for that one, you know, it was just hey, what's something small footprint that we can get on the the schedule that is easy enough to both learn and play in a single sitting that's not gonna you know drive people away. With with a level of complexity and and that's easy enough to repeat that that, let me rephrase if we got the same person come back for a subsequent play we Mm -hmm. weren't stuck doing the same scenario because it's a quad game Mm -hmm. so with the base rules we could swap out you know turkey invading cyprus for the third indochina war or whatever so Mm -hmm. so exactly it it seemed a good fit for the circumstance and and we ran with it and and it was a good time um it was fun my uh my salvadorans got their ass kicked 
in the uh, the second session when I was playing. Um, so um, that looks like an interesting little scenario. Actually, I'd like to try that one the next time I get to try brief border wars. I think that's the football war is the one I'm gonna I'm gonna want to try. I, I, I will say make sure we deconflict you for origins so you sit down and try it there. Yeah, there we go. Uh, you know, I won't have uh, I'll have plenty of free time in between ten hour sessions of Europa. So. <laughs> Speaking of which, you know, I want to say that we're, you know, if if you uh, if you want to sit down and play a monster war game for an entire week, you know, we got space for you at Buckeye Game Fest. Uh, there's going to be space next year, and and the, uh, my target is going to be to talk to to various people to you know to see if hey we can get some of the OCS guys to come out and do OCS, maybe some of the GTS guys to do GTS, maybe some of the BCS guys to do BCS, uh, and there's even talk of World in Flames next year big multiplayer world in flames which would be awesome i would i would personally jump at that that'd be fantastic i think if you've got a labat and ocs a gts and world in flames you've just cut the table space for everything else in that room by two-thirds uh maybe not quite as much as you well so we, we might need to bring more tables in but we had plenty of of uh square footage right um we could easily have gotten in two big mo- two more big monster games uh we would have just needed to bring in four or five more tables yeah we, um, we need to push the tables around a little bit but yeah 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 and which we could you know we could push the tables around that wouldn't it wouldn't have been that big a deal i'm sure we could have got more tables so we got plenty of space the room's plenty big same same place next year same time except it's later april the war room will open on april 24th 2023 for anybody that's wondering that is already on the convention calendar um, yep, and I, I don't know if it's on the BG, the Buckeye Game Fest webpage yet or not, but yeah, so uh, it, has, oh, it, it is actually it it is it is on our calendar. I don't know that it's in the convention only grid extract down below, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going to be updating that in the next few days anyway because there are several events that they had already passed for this year, so we took them off of the grid, but they, they hadn't announced their dates for next year. Mm-hmm. Now enough of those have that I can sit down and do a bulk upload and get a bunch of them on there all all together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you that we are planning to return next year Very good. with Dragoons, and, and I'm hoping I can drag some other Dragoons in there with me. No idea what we're going to be playing, because like we don't plan stuff three months out, never mind a year out. Well, if you show <laughs> up on Monday, we'll, we'll get you to play World in Flames. Unlikely, but, you know, sure. Hold your breath for that. <laughs> for for me, getting away that because I also have the drive involved, it's mm-hmm. a little more difficult for me to get away for an entire week like that. Sure. Um, I, I could I could conceivably come up there early, work from home, because again, I stay with my folks when I'm when I'm in Columbus for origins or any of these things. Um, and and do some working from home earlier in the week like that. Uh the challenge is that if I'm working from their place and I'm only down there in the afternoons, that still cuts in the amount of game time I've got down at BGS. And I'm so glad that you got to actually play a couple of games this time too, because you never get time to play games at Origins. Yeah, the the only times I end up playing stuff at Origins is if we're like one person short of filling the table, and so I'll jump like the the there was one one time we had three people show up for tank on tank. So I put two of them against each other and I played the other guy and got us two, two player games of tank on tank going Or the one time we had three people show up for a coin game. And so I jumped in and played the fourth faction on that one. Um, So I, I, I've had some games in there, but they were sort of foisted on me rather than ones I wanted to. I did play a full song for war game. The the guys were setting up the second scenario, which is the shorter one. I, it's the 43 scenario that, that starts a little shorter. Um, it was a blast. I'll tell you, it is a fun game. Um, yeah, it looks, it looks really cool. And yeah. boy, they're 
their prototype looks fantastic. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Um, that is one of the best-looking prototypes you are ever going it, to. It, it's funny because for years, like the, the guys at Cavs that had the OCS corner back there in the back with uh, back when Jim Reasoner was still with us, but Jim and Dave and Allen and those guys back there. Um, for years when I was living in Columbus, they had Beyond the Rhine was the play test they were doing. And they played the whole thing through and then ran it back the other way and then ran it back again because they got three full extended campaign games in mm-hmm. with a lot of their feedback going back to MMP and whoever was honcho in the, the OCS development on that. Look, that was taped together hex grid paper with a lot of mm-hmm. highlighter on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember like, you know, them getting notes from the designers and, hey, change this piece of terrain and here comes the Sharpie. You know? mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've played with that point with those play test kits. So I, although I was not in it at the time, uh, but I, you know, I played in later play test kits. So they've actually come a little ways from there, but I mean, they're still pretty rough, right? Yeah, uh, they're, those, but they those, are nowhere those near four guys. Oh yeah, they're, a, they're an order of magnitude uh, different from and better quality prototype than uh, than any hex encounter thing I've ever seen. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so so song for war. In case folks hadn't seen any of the coverage that we had on the uh, on the site or my interview with them or your interview with them or any any of the other stuff about it, um, it's it's World War II in the Mediterranean theater. It looks very Axis and Allies ish. It is in fact not too far uh, too distant a cousin to Axis and Allies. It a little less on the production model. A little more on on sort of the actual tactics and the way combat is structured there is not a lot of downtime for any of the players around the table so that 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 is it's good. It keeps people engaged and involved. Oh, it's just They're, like OCS then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you you can take a nap in the 30 seconds Go you ahead. have in things you have to do. <laughs> Go ahead and take your turn. I'll be back later in the day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go take my turn over at GTS <laughs> while that guy's taking a yes. nap. Um, it keeps you busy moving from table to table to table. No, yeah. but it looks like there's very little downtime in that. It's, um, I'm very impressed with what I see of it so far. Yeah. They, for folks that are looking for a perfect historical model of what was happening in the mid in 43, that is not your game. The Italians did not have aircraft carriers, right? They just didn't. They do in this game because you need some way to move air assets around and and to try and balance things out a little bit. That said, while the the ahistorical uh, liberties that they took uh, for the purpose of gameplay uh, are going to rankle somebody that wants a pure historical game for somebody that wants representative fun of the theater, it's a good time. It's a good game. You're going to have fun playing it. Um, It does a very good job of mixing land, sea, and air assets where you've got to pay attention to the whole package. And... uh, and and you get a good time out of it. So um. yeah, I mean it's not you're it's not campaign for North Africa, right? But oh, uh, you know you're not getting a sim a, a detailed simulation. Uh, but it looks like a lot of fun, and, and it seems to me that they have kind of trimmed away a lot of, uh, you know, other than the Italians having aircraft carriers, that they've trimmed away some possibilities for ahistoricity just by just by saying, hey, our game is about the Mediterranean theater, right? Which is, yeah. you know, an interesting yeah. and somewhat undercovered topic in World War II to cover the whole Mediterranean War, right? Uh, there's exactly. ga- t- games aplenty on bits and bobs of that, but on the whole thing, there's very little. There's only a couple of examples. Med yeah, War, either- uh, Mari Nostrum, really the only examples I could think of off the top of my head of, of games that cover the Mediterranean War. Yeah, the the majority of them are, are if they're naval games, then they're not dealing with the land campaigns at all. Mm-hmm. If they are yeah. land campaigns, they are staying on a single landmass. You OCS Sicily, 
Tobruk, Kazarine, like in, in you know, Dak, um, mm-hmm. the Salerno 43 that just came out, you know, it, it Anzio, any of those yeah. Italian peninsula campaigns. You're you're not uh, you're not mixing and matching. It, it's rare that you have a med focused game where you're jumping from North Africa to Sicily to Italy in a single game with land campaigns possible like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is not common. Um, and, and and it's rare that you get the games that mix land, sea, and air like that one. The one that comes to mind is an old Against the Odds magazine game that was an Aegean theater specific campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it is it, it was hypothetical. It was one the British had planned but never executed. And it was essentially them island hopping from Cyprus towards Greece uh, across the Aegean Sea, trying to retake Crete to varying degrees of success. Um, but but that's the only one that I can really think of that does mix and match land, air, and sea across the uh, across yeah. a campaign like that in the Med. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's something to keep an eye out for. Very interested once uh, once that hits hits Kickstarter. Yeah, so uh, it was mentioned in the video we shot with them there, the the really short, like, eight-minute mini-interview we did with them. They're planning on late summer to hit Kickstarter. They are going to have it with us at Origins. They're going to be bunkered up with us awesome. at Origins. Sweet. And, uh, we and, can and put it right next to Europa. Yeah. <laughs> so after they're done with uh, Song 4, we can tell them, no, this is just like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, except it's out of print, costs $700, and it takes a year and a half to play. And and it's, Other than and that, it's just like that. Nap during your opponent's turn. Yeah, absolutely. You go home and let the opponent move, and then you come back the following week. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, so, uh, again, it was, it was a good time. Uh, I definitely recommend the game as I don't know how well it would work as like the two player game with you and a buddy on a, on a Saturday afternoon, the beer and pretzels and the, you know, the football game on in the background. I'm not sure how well it would work as a two player game, as a four player game, as a convention kind of thing for, for an afternoon at a convention, absolutely perfect fit for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, four players, is a lot easier to swallow than six, right? It's, yes. it's, it's not too difficult for most people to get four players together for a you know a long afternoon to play a game every once in a while it's a lot harder to do that with six people for a game yeah. like civilization where the game is you know maybe maybe less than fun with less than six people <laughs> yeah um Song four maxes out at four, where you've got the Allies versus mm-hmm. the Axis. So you've got the Americans and Brits on one side, and the Germans and Italians on the other. And and aside from possibly bringing in a French player that changes sides throughout the game, I don't know where else you would add a player to that to that scenario. Well, you could add a second Italian player to represent the Italians at the after September nineteen forty three. Maybe, maybe. I mean, the the Russians so, never I'm got completely joshing, right? I I think it's it's a great fit at four. I think it, yes. I think it works fine. I don't think you need to squeeze more people into it. No, and and at that point, the 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 table is going to get a little constricted anyway because four fits comfortably around what you're doing there. The the Americans and Brits kind of naturally gravitate to either corner based out of. Africa, the Brits out of Alexandria and the Americans mm-hmm. out of Morocco. The Italians and Germans are much more intermingled because the Italian peninsula is right in the middle of the map and there's Germans on either side of that. Mm-hmm. So it uh they're a little more intermingled. But but mm-hmm. again, still it, it all fits, it all works. It was a good time. Folks got the hobnob with the players' aid, so they say they're coming back next year. And I'm certainly going to not let them not let them not come, right? I yeah. have <laughs> I 
harassed them into coming and just like I harassed you into coming and everybody had a great time and I'm glad and I will harass you all again next year. So the question the goal is, is to harass even more people next year. Yeah. How, how many other YouTube channels can you harass into showing up is the real question. Can you get uh, Patrick to get there? Um, maybe a couple actually thinking about that. I get Doug to come from the tabletop's edge. I think he's, he was talking about it this year and his work just didn't cooperate, but yeah. Um, um, our, our buddy BB Mike from my own worst enemy will be retired yeah. by then will be running out of excuses there you go where does he live uh he's in virginia that's not that far that's drivable yes yes he is definitely drivable i don't know just because of his his personal travel situation i don't know that we could get gimpy gamer to come up there uh where does he live uh about 12 miles from me oh okay (laughs) so yeah i don't know what his situation is but i'll be happy to have him along that'd be that would be fine i mean i'm not even talking about people with youtube channels or blogs or whatever i'm talking you know i just I want to I want to make sure that we have a war room 10 years from now. Right. And yeah. if nobody uses it, then we won't. Uh, so, you know, it was very successful this year where I think we could improve is to, is to get more of the big games in the convention. I'll be frank. The convention really likes the monster games because it sells more hotel rooms, which yeah. makes them look yeah. better with the hotel and gives them more leverage. Absolutely. I uh, no, I, I just want to get as many content creators as possible there so we can do like a, a Wednesday or Thursday live broadcast where there's nine of us all in a circle all looking at our screens while having having a whole bunch of everybody else in the background behind us while we're doing it. That would be amusing, actually, with everybody shouting at each other. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Total, total yeah. pandemonium. So we, we almost had that at the ACDC back in January because Gimpy, where he's here in town with me, he and I were both live from Gamers Armory that night with Mo. Mm. Uh, mm. We initially started out sitting there where we could both kind of be on the screen together, except that with the broadcast delay, we were hearing ourselves like three seconds later in the headsets compared to live sitting next to each other and so we had to separate because of the 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 delay oh yeah it was screwing with us a little too much so so we were both there we were just like 10 feet apart kind of waving at each other over the laptops um but i you know talk to mo we might could get mo to show up yeah you know he's be coming in from texas that's not exactly an easy commute but uh he's also you know been known to come up to the northern part of the country for events in the past so it is yeah plus uh compass expo yeah yeah so I'll, i'll tell you we could almost rent a van and drag people up from here because wargame hq is here local with me mm. gimpy is local here with me there's there's another dude who's actually had sponsorship from gamers armory on his channel that is local here and i want to say for some reason grumpy gamer is what's stuck in my head but i don't know if that's just because it sounds like gimpy gamer and but that might actually be him there's like four or five dudes around here that are all content creators that are all based in, the, the difference between us here in raleigh and you guys in columbus is y'all are organized ah got <laughs> less content creators in this space than uh than what you got down there is what it sounds like as far as i'm Maybe. aware the only person doing war game content around here is me yeah could be but i i'm not convinced that you guys necessarily have more war gamers than we do oh i'm Y'all not convinced of that either yeah uh, it's a different different uh different style too i mean uh you guys might well have more war gamers right but we got more ocs players yeah so <laughs> so we got the you know we, we almost got the market cornered on ocs right <laughs> outside of tempe uh, ohio is like the epicenter of, of ocs we got yeah. tons of ocs happening here we had a, like off the calendar's top secret ocs playtest fest uh, <laughs> last year uh like last september or something like that that i 
I had mentioned, because I wasn't supposed to give details about it, but there were about 25 people there, uh, almost all of whom were playing in four different games of cross-channel attack, the big Normandy D-Day game. So, you know, we got, it's it, it, the action is here in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, if, if OCS is your thing, that is yeah. where to go. We'll keep you happy. Yeah, <laughs> as, as Gary has flexed on us before he has turned down ocs games for a lack of time uh, yeah, lack I'm a, of uh, seriously man seriously <laughs> i had to set aside time uh before but I, it was stressing me out too it's like oh, i got i got all the stuff to do that's like not gaming stuff that i can't go do this week as much it's bucket game fest right yeah. so you know that that's a stress generating uh situation <laughs> Of, of the games that, that you saw played, not necessarily the ones you were in, was there something that really jumped out at you as, man, I wish I could have played that one while I was there? Maybe not. Since I, you know, every time I wander over to the Labatt table and say, boy, this looks nice. I could just buy one of the small Labatt games. Then the argument breaks out and I'm like, yep, oh, that's why I don't play Labatt. We're good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'll be over here playing OCS instead. Um, where we do have rules arguments from time to time, but you look in the book and it's right in the book, right? So we don't have to worry about that. In the case of Labatt, it's like, well, which book do we look in? Right. Which of the 17 different rule books do we look at, each of which is fully supported by its author? You know, wait, I, I kid, but, you know, it's it's also the struggle is not, real. Not right? much. <laughs> the game that I uh, uh, jumped out at me was actually one of, that I did get to play, which was Fire in the Lake. Uh, I have not I've owned Fire in the Lake for several years uh, and I have not had a chance to play it. And to our absolute astonishment, the entire game took about two hours. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we I expected to be up till three in the morning playing that thing, and it took about two hours. In fact, hilariously, uh, that we we finished a full short scenario of Cuba Libre and a full short scenario of Fire in the Lake in the same time that it took the other table to play a full short scenario of Liberty or Death. So, and, and uh, to so clarify, was... everybody was teaching in all three of those games. Oh, yeah. it's not like it, it's it's not like you had four experienced coin players who could just grab it and start going. Like you still had to yeah. teach people in all three of those games yes so, so nobody was advantaged with experienced players it's just luck of the luck of the cards you guys wrapped up early with cuba libre yeah and and i you know uh fire the lake spit on my personal to play list for like a while uh and it happens that i've been doing some reading in the last month or two on vietnam right so i'm, I'm a bit hot to play vietnam games right now and that was just happened to be the one that came up that's why i picked the third indochina scenario of brief border wars actually which is of course a different you know vietnam conflict than what we call in america the vietnam war but still you know it's the same same vague it's not even really the same part of the world it's this different part of the country right our vietnam war took place in south vietnam the third indochina war takes place in north vietnam it's a chinese red chinese incursion into north vietnam yeah the north end of north vietnam (laughs) yes yes exactly red river valley so uh you know that's you know a a part of vietnam that was always under uh communist control since uh 1954 yeah that that was never remotely threatened as a part of uh the the american intervention in south vietnam so. well they bombed it but uh well, they, yeah. you know they, they didn't invade it at any point nor but, was, but it I... was still there when they were done <laughs> Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. So yeah. that was that was uh, kind of a highlight for me. Uh, another highlight for me was just the, the the teaching sessions of OCS, which I'm I'm really happy with the way they went. Uh, I think they were received very well. I, we got to teach some new people OCS, and at least one of those cases, I think it's somebody who is now convinced that they don't need to play OCS again. But you know that's valuable too, right? Not everybody yeah. is for everybody, and I I think we all have to be grown ups and be okay with that. Yeah. I, I you know as Chris is fond of as Chris Weave from Connections Online is fond of saying. 
saying sometimes the answer is the experiment was a success. We learned not to do that again, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. I'm happy I tried it because I've now identified it as something that is not for me, and that's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm delighted I've played uh, Europa twice now. It's been a great time, <laughs> both of them time. At yeah. least this time it didn't take a year and a half, so, so there's that. As the Dragoons proudly charge into their eighth season of Mentioned in Dispatches, we'd like to pause and thank those Patreon supporters who pledged at the regimental patron level. So a heartfelt thanks to Treb Curry, Staggerwing, Patrick Mullen, Mike Quigley, Hepwell Wargames, Patrick Garrity, Robert, Kevin Bertram, and Joseph Knoll for their support of the Armchair Dragoons and enabling us to bring you the best wargaming content we can. You, too, can sign up as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash armchair dragoons. So I've, I've got a couple of, of kind of BGF-specific questions here for you. One is sure. the, the War Room is heavy hex encounter wargaming. And nowhere, aside from a Rising Sun game, nowhere out there did I see really much in the way of any kind of minis gaming. Is that because BGF intentionally steers away from it? Or is there a lack of support in the Columbus area for people that would do that? Are they just not wanting to come play at BGF? But does it take up too much space? away from other things at the the convention why why no minis guys running around there okay so first of all caveat that when we're where i guess we're gonna say hex encounter in the in a super broad sense because you know yeah so so tabletop board board yeah tabletop board wargaming but you're right of course there was like no miniatures presence at all nor nor do i recall off the top of my head of ever seeing any miniatures presence in the war room um i i think it's really just a function of its it uh, bgf grew out of the cabs crowd which yeah. is a board game crowd and not a miniatures crowd and of course the miniatures folks have their own events some of which are local you know there's like three yeah. or four minutes events a year within a you know hour drive of columbus so you know all, several of which i hadn't even heard of until like last year but these are events <laughs> that have been happening forever right and i just i don't do miniatures so i don't hear about them um, now, as to how much of the miniatures play that happens here in central Ohio is historical miniatures versus, say, 40K or War Machine or whatever, I haven't the vaguest idea. I would have to be much more engaged with the miniatures community locally than I have to give you an answer to that. But I, I think yeah. it's just a matter in this. To answer your question, I think it's just different audiences. The, the convention is targeting a different audience. Now, you know, 10 years from now, there could be a miniatures room. I don't know. There's, I'm sure the, the, the BGF people would be delighted to have miniatures players there yeah i just the the realistically the minis gaming the even the minis wargaming world is is very heavily split between the sci-fi fantasy guys and the historical guys right the guys jim ozarski and the the one over 60 you know minis led old guard brigade there uh that's a different world than the 40k guys and the war machine guys like you said um, yeah well i mean certainly the, there's a there's a very real split between the you know the 98 out of 100 players that play sci-fi or fantasy miniatures and the two out of 100 players that play historical miniatures but you know maybe i maybe i'm magnifying that in my head too because i don't go to the historical minis events i don't go to historic con which is like as far as i'm aware basically all historical minis so maybe yeah. i'm just judging that unfairly by the stuff i see on the table at the guard tower on saturday right i'm just wondering if it's worth trying to bring any of those minis dudes into the war room and if there would be much value added to the war room by doing so and i'm not convinced there is but if 
you've got the war room that's war game focused, why not broaden the pool some other than it's going to take real estate away from other because the war room is only so big. Well, uh, I, I mean, mean, I I'm not speaking in any kind of official capacity here, but I would venture to say that the BGF, the Buckeye Game Festival's people would be delighted to find some space to put some miniatures players, regardless of what that is, whether that's 40K or, you know, uh, M- Empire or Napoleonics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, j- just curious, because it was something I didn't see of any kind anywhere uh, at BGF. And, and knowing it's an outgrowth of cabs does, does explain away a lot of why that wouldn't be there. But it is a robust enough convention in size and scope that I think it could easily absorb that if they were interested in, in trying to go do so. So, mm-hmm. um, the other thing I want to I ask didn't you hear about any is, attendance numbers. Did you hear an attendance number? I didn't hear any attendance numbers. Eyeballing it compared to other similar smaller conventions I've been to, I, six fifty plus or minus fifty. Oh, okay. I was going to guess three hundred, but uh, I mean, okay. No, I, I think I didn't hear a number either. So, so it yeah. certainly. I mean, if you walked into that big room, and I did walk through it a couple of times, certainly it was it was packed. There were people every table was full so there were there were a lot of people there yeah so i i never attempted to count even a rough count of what was in the big room just again eyeballing it relative to some other smaller convention i've been to in the past easily 180 to 200 both of the times i was in there after friday morning friday morning was pretty sparse um but but friday evening and saturday both times saturday i went in there easily 180 to 200 people in there and and it was a different group of folks both times I mean, they were, they were noticeably different people in there. I, I think I mentioned, so the, the, just at one point on Saturday afternoon, I just counted who we had in the war room and I counted 28 and, and that 28, I don't think includes the Labatt crew. Cause I think they were out to lunch when I did that. Okay. 28 uh, people in a, in a room playing war games is a hopping war game event. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it doesn't sound like a lot of people, but that is a, that is a, 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 a active place where people are gaming yeah you figure that's seven four-player games if you break it down that way and uh that's not actually what was going on in there at the time but that's you know about that so The other thing I wanted to ask about, so the, the vendor room was pretty sparse, was was yeah. unimpressive. At previous BGFs... Don, um, from Enterprise Games, we missed you. Please come back. <laughs> so this was the first BGF I've been to in 15 years, mm-hmm. you know. It, I, I was there in 06 and 07 back when I lived in Columbus. And, and in 06, I was one third of the vendor hall. Uh, and, and I'm not exaggerating. I was one third of the vendor room. Ron Charity was there. Uh, I actually bought a whole bunch of stuff from him while I was there. I, I think I made zero money on being a distributor, an exhibitor at BGF because I spent it all at Ron's table. It, are there just not retailers in the area that are interested in being there? Obviously, it's going to be too small for any, any publishers to really show up for much of anything. Uh, again, the reason I was there as a publisher as I lived in Columbus. I was literally commuting from my house. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if we had a local publisher right now, uh, they, you know, that might be worthwhile for them to show up. Uh, the, the dealer's room was fairly sparse. I mean, some, a couple of the local game stores were there and they had a bunch of games. A lot, you know, at previous Buckeye Game Fest, Enterprise Games from uh, in Indian Indianapolis has been there and they're a rep for GMT. They bring tons of war games. Uh, I reliably buy a bunch of stuff from them. I'm thank, you know, it did say 
save me money, Don not coming. So, uh, so there's that. I got to walk back into the house and say, honey, I didn't buy any games. She's like, what about that new game of the shrink crap you just walked in with? Uh, oh, I won that in the raffle, which is completely yeah. true. Swear to God, that's that's exactly what happened. It's not a war game. And then she looked at it and said, this doesn't look terrible. I'm sure you didn't buy it. So, um, so I mean, it, it's a small event, right? And, and I don't know that a war game fo- focused uh, unless it's like a local publisher or something like that, or maybe even a local game store, uh, is, yeah. is necessarily makes it worthwhile. I think there were about eight or ten vendors, but a lot of them were like, you know, selling little knickknacks and dice and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. There were really only about two vendors that were selling games. Um, and I'm not sure how big of the, you know, the dealer hall is a draw to an event like this. Um, and I'm not sure... I, I'm reasonably sure that the de- the vendor space tables were relatively inexpensive. So there's that. Yeah. So the the point of comparison that I have in mind is is Mace, which is a smaller regional convention. Doesn't that draw like two thousand people though? Mace does pull in a bunch, in part because Mace has a very robust. Um, uh, RPG component to it mm. that brings in a lot of folks. Mace doesn't hit two thousand. It 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 caps out at around a thousand. Um, That's a lot of people, though, right? It, it is a lot, but it's it it is more than you had at BGF. But it's not more than you would be capable mm-hmm. of having at BGF. I guess yeah. is the best way to say it. We've mentioned it on previous podcasts. Sadly, Mace will be no more. Jeff Smith, who had been the founder and owner of Mace, passed away earlier this year. It was it was Ooh. a very short, fairly brutal battle with cancer. Um, I did not know that actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so there's going to be one more Mace. Um, it's a podcast. So you can't see me holding up the air quotes, right? There's going to be one more Mace. It's officially been called the For Jeff Con. And the number two dude from Mace is going to be running this thing. And it's essentially all the proceeds are being donated to the Smith family, you know, after Jeff's passing. So Mace is my point of comparison. It is it is bigger than BGF was this year. It's not bigger than BGF is capable of being. The, the vendor room that we'd seen at mace was much much more robust than what they had there at bgf with four or five publishers two or three uh accessory manufacturers folks making terrain or dice towers or whatever two or three clothing companies carolina game tables is based like right around the corner from mace so so jody and clint are always there with a couple of tables um and they're also tied in with studio two publishing so they've always got a bunch of stuff from studio two on the shelf as well um it, it just seems that there's probably enough in and around columbus that you might could get paul to show up from high flying dice games and mm. even if he sets up a small vendor table in the war room it would wouldn't hurt to have somebody like Paul Rohrbaugh there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, now, where's he based out of? Uh, Youngsville? Or Youngstown. Y- Sorry. Youngst- y- I don't know Youngstown. where Youngsville is. Yeah. Youngstown, I know where that is. Okay. Yeah, Youngsville's, so, on, y- Youngsville's on US-1 going north out of here towards Virginia. Okay. It's, it's so, north of Wake Forest. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I can't vouch for this number. And again, this is unofficial. This is what I remember that I heard at the last BGF, which is, again, pre-COVID, uh, that the attendance number that I remember hearing was about 350. Okay. And remember, it's it's a pretty compact convention in terms of actual square footage of the rooms that it occupies. So those rooms feel really real, you know, quite full, quite loud in a lot of cases. Uh, And and, bigger than three fifty. See, I think it was probably smaller than the last one. And and you know, we're coming off a pandemic here too, right? And and it's a different time of the year than it has been in the past. Uh, Buckeye Game Fest has always been in September, and you know, suddenly it's in April, right? It's catching the beginning 
beginning of the convention season rather than the end. Um, and that's going to make a difference too, as you know, people adjust attendees adjust their schedules and vendors adjust their schedules and, you know, people that run events adjust their schedules and the people that run the convention get jobs out of town and move down to Louisiana. So uh, <laughs> they, uh, you know, the, these things happen. So, so I would be really surprised to hear an action, uh, you know, Hey, I, I got no information, right? I've talked to nobody since I walked out of the convention on Saturday night. But uh, I'd be surprised if it had drawn as many people as it did two or three years ago, the last time they had one. Now, the other the other variable here is it's at the Hyatt Regency. The sky's the limit as far as space is concerned, right? This could this is an event that could easily, if especially if it starts to bring in RPG people or miniatures people or LARP people or whatever. Um, you know, the, they could add RPGs next year and, and draw another 200 people, right? And add like yeah, 60% yeah. To, to attendance. So, but the, again, this convention could swallow 10 events this size and not notice. So yeah. there's, you know, there's more rooms, even on that corridor that we took that they could use. There's at least four other rooms that they could absorb, you know, let alone they could move upstairs. Right. So, yeah, yeah. The, you know, there's so much space for them to grow. And if they could grow it, a, a you know, this, the strategy sessions for which I am totally not involved in, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the hotel can certainly uh, absorb absorb as much growth as BGF can accommodate. And certainly, yeah. you know, you could get uh, it, you could turn it into uh, over the span of a couple of years. And I think that may have been part of the rationale from, you know, moving from whatever random hotel in the central Ohio area that they could get to the Hyatt Regency that's downtown It's central. Everybody knows where it is. A lot of people go to origins. They know where the bathrooms are. They know where the food is, all that stuff. So it's a covered very, parking. I mean, for me, it's, yeah, it's a very comfortable location. Yeah. Covered parking. Don't underestimate. Covered, yeah. Yeah, covered parking. The parking is downstairs. And when I was done, I, I went downstairs and got in my car and drove away. I mean, it was fantastic. I, I haven't it, parked in that garage since Origins of like 2005 because I usually use one of the outer garages. But Saturday, it was it was raining. Some snowflakes actually hit my car on the drive down there. There was no way I was walking around outside to get into the convention center. I said, screw it. Whatever the hell it costs, it's worth it. I am, And I, I went all the way down to the bottom of the parking garage because I, I didn't need to be right up front. I was going to be there for like 10 hours. Who cared mm -hmm. how, how early I was, you know, or how late I was getting out of there. So I went as far down as I could and parked near an elevator. And, and, and there were like three spaces between me and the blank wall at the end of the garage. That's how mm -hmm. far down to the bottom I got. So I hopped in the elevator and figured, all right, I'll get, I'll get the elevator up to the floor I need. And then I'll just walk around until I find the convention. And I walked out of the elevator and it's the elevator between the war room and the Artemis spaceship bridge simulator. Mm -hmm. I was literally dropped right in the middle of the convention from the elevator it was awesome yeah it was no yeah. wandering around parking for those interested it, it, so this is the covered garage underneath the hyatt regency and it's my fate you know for for this event anyway it's my favorite parking garage because it's right downstairs it's uh, mine now <laughs> 15 dollars for all day parking which is really not that bad which is what you pay for origins yeah Absolutely. Except that for Origins, for, for you and I, where we spend most of our time at the opposite end of the convention, it's a, yeah. unless you're staying at the, at the Hyatt, it's a dumb parking spot to no, be no, in, I, then you got to walk yeah, all the way to the other end. North, I park at that north yeah. garage at the other end. Yeah, me too now. Yeah. So, no, you're you're right that BGF could easily absorb some more events. That room across the hall from where we were could be turned into a minis room very easily. Mm -hmm. The second game room that 
both times I stuck my head in there, had like three people in there, probably just taking a break from the main room. Could easily be an RPG room and, and you could add another 150, 200 people to it. Um, yep. They could give us the other half of Taft if we needed more space in the war room. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's definitely room to to expand just in that one hallway where we were and not break a sweat. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it all comes back to what are the ambitions of the Buckeye Game Fest leadership and what is it they would like this to become? They may be happy just doing board game stuff the way they are and have a couple hundred people in there, have a great time and don't want it to get any bigger than that because then it's more headache for them. And that's cool. Well, I'll like, tell I'm you what, here's, game. here's how we answer that question. Sometime around next March, we should all get together with the people from Buckeye Game Festivals and have a talk on the internet about it. It. yeah yeah if if only so, we knew some people that had like a live show or a podcast or something yeah know. i'm not i'm not being facetious i'm not talking about me i'm talking about the people that actually make decisions i just i'm just really loud right no i so, i was talking about the show on which they could appear well yeah i mean that's fine too we you know we there's we'll find a place for them right yeah and look it's very easy for a couple of chuckleheads like us to say you guys should really do this because we're not the ones doing it you know oh yeah absolutely it's, it's always very very easy to volunteer other people's time to do things um mm-hmm. and, and other so volunteers time yeah that's that's sort of what we're doing here uh but that said it's uh it, it was a fun event i had a good time i'm glad i went even with the car breakdown on the way home um uh, i'm glad i went not just because my parents fed me some really good food a couple of nights there while i was there part of this is when it's something like origins we're so busy working we don't get a lot of time just to hang out um yeah some of the most fun i had more laid yeah this was more laid back than that yeah yeah look i just you and me and dave went to dinner on saturday night and that was a blast like that that was worth the trip to columbus you know i mean that was that was a lot of fun and not just because dave bought us dinner i mean well dave's just sitting back thinking wow these guys can friggin' talk holy cow (laughs) just turn them loose just let them yeah. go. Well, that and Dave gave you like four episode ideas that we're going to have to work on at some point. That's there, true, too. Uh, so that, that wasn't the worst thing to come out of all of this. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it was great to see Dave there. Uh, the the players, they dudes, like you said, I, I didn't interact with them near as much as you did, because by the time I got there, everybody was busy doing stuff. <laughs> And so, so from that perspective, it did feel a little originsy, you know, we're sort of waving at each other across the room or both, you know, teaching and running games. Um, but, but you're right. It was definitely more laid back uh, and, and easier to sit down and, and play and have fun and step away when you need to step away and just drop into things when you wanted to drop into things. The, the Artemis Spaceship Bridge Simulator, man, that was... Boy, that's a riot. It's, it is... I, like somebody said, it's Star Trek with the the serial numbers filed off, um, and and it was a lot of fun. It it, it was a blast. I, I'm sorry I only had the time to jump into one. Both times you guys were jumping into it. One of them I was in the middle of another game, and the other one I was on my way to dinner with my folks. So mm-hmm. those were the other two times you guys went and jumped into games. Um, yeah, and that's that's just tons of fun, and it's literally the best place I've ever been to play to do that because it's not there's no like extra charge. You just walk in and say when when does it start? Six. Okay, I'll be back at six. You show up at six, and they put you down, and you're the you're the engineer, right? So it's it's fantastic. And and correct me if I I he's got two different bridges set up on either side yeah. of a partition in the middle of the room. So, not yeah, that those guys would necessarily people. play head to head, but he can run twelve at once. He can run two that's full correct. bridges. Yeah. And at one point, I'm not sure he had 12, but at, at least at one point he was running two separate groups. Yeah. yeah. One of which was full. The other one, I think, was one like one person short. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
the one I jumped in, we had we had a four-player game with you, me, and Lee from the war room, and then the the stray dude that wandered in and got thrown into the community or the the science console, and then the guy running the uh, running the event actually stood in as our comms dude. Mm-hmm. And it, look, it was fun just with the four of us. I had a great time. Yeah, and, yeah, it's even better with six. To be honest, it's even better with six because it doesn't, the guy running it knows what he's doing, right? Part of the fun is that under ordinary circumstances, the players have struggled with the interface and accidentally blow up the civilian ships and, (laughs) you know, funny stuff happens. Narrative emerges more readily from, uh, from four clowns doing it than the guy that knows what he's doing running the comms, right? This is true. This is true. It uh, it would be fun to do that sometime with like a live camera going on the crew while we're doing it. It would be, yeah. You'd have to get everybody's, make sure everybody was kosher with it. But yeah, yes. oh, that would be a fantastic time actually. Because yeah, you could you could do a couple of split screens where you've got the main screen that everybody's watching uh, as a part of the broadcast and a couple of ISO cams on a few people and, mm-hmm. uh, and just have one producer sit back and sort of switch between the one big camera on the screen and like two or three side shots. Yeah. Um, that 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 would definitely make for some entertainment if you could run that sucker live so absolutely all right with that i think we're going to wrap this episode of mentioning dispatches um just as a note, we've got two, maybe three episodes of this season left. If you get a chance, pop over to iTunes and, and throw us a rating. Uh, we like to beg for five-star ratings. The reality is we will take any rating. We're still like five ratings short of the minimum we need to get iTunes to actually put us in the recommendation engine. Uh, you'd think after like four years of doing this, we'd have enough recommendations to, to do this. But I think everybody else is like subscribing to us through RSS feeds or some sort of podcast service and never goes to iTunes to click on things. So, so I, I take a moment. I yeah, uh, you create a fake account. Take a moment. Go over there. Give us a rating. We'd prefer five. We'll take one. Just give us a rating so we can start showing up in the uh, in the recommendation engine if you get a chance. Gary, thank you for inviting us to be at Buckeye Game Fest in the first place, and then for, for joining us here for a wrap up discussion of it. That was happy kind to be you, here, particularly given that you've been on camera or online pretty much for like twelve hours since you. Who left Buckeye Game Fest? Ah, uh, so. that's kind of true. Yeah, between that's why I, that's why my voice sounds fantastic on the internet right now. Yeah, between your multiple shows plus uh, plus this one, um, I uh, I do appreciate you taking the time to join us. So happy to be uh, here, audience. Thanks for checking out Mention and Dispatches. Uh, don't forget, we got connections online coming up this coming week. So if you get a chance to uh, to come join us for that, again, it's it's five bucks for the whole week. This is a professional wargaming conference. This is not just a uh, a game convention like our ACDCs, uh, but it'll give you a chance to see a very different side of wargaming and maybe learn something about how the pros do things in the serious game business and, and maybe find some interesting perspectives you can take back to, to your beer and pretzels wargaming. And uh, I'm not bagging on beer and pretzels wargaming like that. That's, that's my bread and butter. That's that's where I come from. So, um, it, it, but the professional perspectives can can give you some new insight to what you're doing in those games, and and that that can can be a lot of fun. So, um, thanks, Gary. Thanks, audience, and we'll catch you guys next time on another episode of Mentioning Dispatches. <laughs>